Welcome to another of the 10-minute Cood Street podcasts that we have been doing since the lockdown began at the end of March. And today, I am delighted to spend 10 or more minutes with legendary editor Ellen Datlow, uh, who has got another Stoker Award this year, up for another Hugo, up for another Locus Award. And I counted this up. I don't know if you've ever done it, Ellen. Over 200 nominations. Just really? Over I never counted them. <laughs> 200, well, not not even counting this year. I counted up um, 202 nominations and 37 wins in the low in, in the major awards. You know, the Hugo's, Nebulas, World Fantasy, Bram Stoker, Locusts, and so forth. That's got to be a record of some sort. Yeah. Well, who knows? I don't know. That's kind of embarrassing. It's kind of weird. But on the other hand, I have been doing this win since 1980. So true. So 40 years. So that's not so bad. <laughs> and the well, first. Ten years, I won nothing. <laughs> well, that, that's that's a good point. Uh, and also, 40 years, I think, is a, some kind of a chronological record because, well, as you know, I went back and looked at a bunch of other editors, and some of the legendary editors in the field hardly, hardly lasted a decade. I mean, Gernsback was basically uh, out of any significant contributions to the field after the first 10 years. Yes, but he made enormous contributions. He did. I mean, he, he, he invented pulp science fiction uh, as a genre, no doubt about that. Um, and you look at John W. Campbell, and he was, okay, he was there from starting 37. By 57, not very many people were paying attention to him, so that's 20 years or so. Well, I think you have to always stay. That's partly why I keep doing the best of the year, mm-hmm. seriously. You know, if I stopped doing it, people would forget who I was in three years. You know, if you stop, I mean, seriously, I mean, I'm not joking about it. I mean, maybe not in three years, but in five years, people forget you if you're not around, if, if you're not producing more work. And, you know, that's OK, I guess. But I don't want to be forgotten until I'm dead. <laughs> I guess care. so. Then I won't care. <laughs> well, one, one of the questions that uh, I bet a bunch of people have and I've I've had myself is with all the editing you're doing, not just the anthologies, but the editing for Tor.com and that sort of thing. Do you ever have time to just read for yourself? Well, what I try to do is when I read novels, well, okay, I read very few novels during the Uh year. I don't have the time. When I do read novels, I feel I should be covering them for the year's best. So what I try to do is read novels that I think I can justify covering in the year's best, okay? Mm -hmm. And so on the other hand, I mean, there are a couple of people who I read no matter what just because I love their stuff, like William Gibson. I mean, Uh I don't you know, I yes, his stuff is dystopian, but I do not consider it horror by any means. But I still will read it every time he comes out with a book. Um, who else? Jonathan Carroll. I mean, his stuff is fantasy and darkish fantasy, but it's rarely real horror. But I read all his novels. Actually, he sends me his novels a manuscript before he sends them out to publishers. Well, he has a new novel which is not even coming out in the States, right? Which one? I don't know yeah. if I've read that. I can't remember the title of it. Uh, that's the lion, the bath. That uh, might. Bathing the lion, I think, or something like that. No, that's been around. That 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 one. No, this that's is this is read the most recent. I don't know if he sent it to me. I can't recall. But you know, um, mostly, basically, I just try to find things that I can justify covering in the years best. Although yeah. once in a while, I mean, it took me how many years? Thirty. Well, I don't remember when. When did um? Oh God. Uh, guy who wrote the movie novel, um, a famous movie novel about making, uh, oh, God, 
I can't believe I've forgotten him. Give, give, me, give me something to work with here. I know, I know, I know. Um, he's he wrote some science fiction. Ted Rozak, Theodore Rose, Theodore Rozak. Um, well, Theodore Rozak wrote the Memoirs of Elizabeth Frankenstein. Yes, but before that, his one of his early novels was a blanking on the name, and it was something I got when I was at Omni. I got it, and it came out years, you know, um, it came out. 30 years ago or something. And I've had it for ages. People kept recommending it to me. I never had a chance to read it. And finally I read it like two years ago and uh-huh. it, it was great, you know, but it was something that, and I even mentioned it in the year's best intro because yeah, here's something that I've been meaning to read for 20 years. Flickr. That was called Flickr. It was a title is the title. Uh-huh. And I kept, I not only did I buy one, did I get one copy or a new copy when it first came out, but I think I bought other copies because I didn't know, I wanted to read it and I didn't know where I put the original copy. And of course, I still never read it. But finally, about two years ago, I read it. Um, And I am able, I was able to just, it's dark. It's about, you know, it's a secret history of of a movie making thing. And I love that kind of story and novel. Um, So occasionally I do think, I do pick up things that aren't. Consider horror. Uh, right now, I'm reading. Um, well, I'm reading Shirley Jackson's biography. Oh, I'm curious about that. Franklin. Um, I'm really enjoying it. It's something I'm reading before bedtime. Like I have it half. I, I try to get to bed. Try to get to sleep by one thirty. So if I get to bed by one, I have a half an hour to read from that. And I'm almost, I'm, I'm almost done three quarters of the way through, and it's very interesting. Because I really, I mean, I knew she was married to Stanley Hyman. I didn't know much about him. I knew that she was not particularly happy that she was kind of she had um, psychological or emotional issues. Right. But I really didn't know that much about her life, and it's really interesting. And now, of course, there's this Shirley that that I have to watch. That's going to be great. And and what I don't read that many biographies. I don't. I hardly read any nonfiction at all. But what struck me initially, but I'm getting over it, um, was how the biography biographer usually inserts himself into the person's life and makes assumptions from letters and evidence, but not, but in a way imposing their interpretation on the person's life. And that's really weird to me. I just well, never, I guess I never realized it. I don't read that many biographies. I think, I think you must've been at the, you, at the reader count a few years ago when Shirley Jackson's yes. daughter was, and yes. the, her daughter was very upset at that biography, as I recall. Oh, was she? Okay. Well, I can understand it. Well, for, I mean, also, I guess Peter Strauss said something about the husband, who is yeah. not going to be a nice person. <laughs> but he also no. said very interesting. He's fascinating. He supported her in some ways. He was a drain on her in other ways. He cheated all the time. Yeah. Um, but he sounds like a really interesting person, and he was apparently quite a good critic. He was. He was a classic critic, and he was one of the ones we studied in graduate school. Yes, he had and when I was when I was studying him as an academic, I had no idea he was married to Shirley Jackson. So it, right, they had two separate lives. The other thing that's always struck me as fascinating about Shirley Jackson, and even Ballantine published these in paperback, mm-hmm. is she wrote these kind of Irma Bombeck comic things about being a housewife. Yes, Life uh, Among the Savages. Life Among the Savages, Raising Demons, I think was one. Yeah. Um, and they're they're actually they're when you look at them now, you think, OK, that's kind of dark humor, but they are funny. That's what I'm not sure if I've ever read them. I might have read one of them a years ago. I might have read Life Among the Fat Savages. I yeah. don't really recall. But yeah. And she was kind of she. 
she may have been, quote unquote, forced into writing those happy things about family for good housekeeping. But she also <laughs> seems to have taken joy in her children, but yeah. sort of realistically as mon- little monsters, which I think not having a child myself, uh-huh. um, my perception is that they're monsters. <laughs> well, yeah. But the impression I got from talking to her daughter is that she was more or less what we call now a cool mom. Uh-huh. Yeah. So- yeah. Well, do you have any comfort reading? Anything that you just want to like? This stressful time. I've been asking everybody this. Some people go back to detective stories they used to love. Some people just. Uh, I know you don't have the time to just read whatever you want, but is there comfort food reading for you? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's all comfort reading, you know. I'm actually when I'm reading, I just started reading. Um, uh, oh, I read well. I read Laird Barron's novel, uh, his third Isaiah Coleridge novel. Worst, worst, oh, God, what's the second word? Worst something or other. And it was very good. I really liked it. And it has yeah. some more supernatural than his earlier ones. And I really liked that. Okay. And I just read, um, I'm reading, I just started uh, The Deep by Alma Katsu. And I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's got, I mean, the thing is, I'm going to try to read things that are dovetail with my work. Oh, sure. So it does have supernatural aspects, and it's kind of partly... Back and forth about the Titanic. I I had read The Hunger by her, which she talked, uh, her book was about the Donner Party. Right. And she did a great, it was great. I mean, she's totally immersive. To, you know, I find her immediately, I want to read more. So I find her, so in that sense, it's comfort reading. What I would not read, I was asked to do a list of 10 or 15 or something, um, things I would recommend people look, read with a reader, I think movies. Um, I don't remember now if it was movies or reading. I think reading for um, for these dark times. And this is before the demonstrations. This is oh yeah. Only this was only supposed to be uh, aimed at people because of the COVID. You know, be, be, being right. isolated. Um, this hadn't even you know this whole whole thing hasn't hadn't started yet. Um, the the protests. Um, and I was like, why would anyone, and they're, they're saying, oh, what dystopian now? It's like, why on earth would anyone want to read something dystopian now? Yeah, exactly. Um, now, it's like, are you kidding? I'll recommend ten great things that are, have nothing to do with dystopian. That's what I did. Um, right. No, I'm not, you know, I don't know why. I mean, why would you want to read a dystopian novel now to think, oh, it's worse. It would be worse. It could be it worse. It could be worse than it is, yeah. I mean, I, I said a lot of people are rereading The Stand, and I suppose they're thinking, well, at least this isn't killing 90% of us. No, Maybe thank that's, you. <laughs> <laughs> that's not comfort reading to me. Um, I, comfort reading is just reading what I'm enjoying. Yeah. It's an enjoyable piece of work. Uh, for comfort reading, I'd say read some really good horror uh, collections of your favorite writers. I love short stories. And um, to me, they're always a comfort. Well, that's not true. There are really dread stories that have so much dread in them that they're really hard to read. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's, that's a good thing for a horror editor and a horror reader, but it's tough, you know, but yeah. Well, speaking of your uh, being an editor and a reader, we'll, let's talk about what you've got coming out. We know that Echoes has already done really well, your saga anthology of ghost stories. You've got another Stoker Award for it. I think that's that's up for uh, a world fantasy and uh, world he, fantasy hasn't been in it. We don't have the nominations yet. We don't have a okay. We don't have the nominations exactly. yet, but but it's up for this is horror award. Okay, uh, and, award 
fan uh, reader based. Anyone could vote. And right. uh, Locus Award, I think right. it's on the final ballot. Yeah, uh, it's gotten very good reviews. I'm really happy with it. It was tough because it was so big, and I'm not used to juggling that many stories when you're trying to figure out the table of contents or even what you have as far as when you right. want to. But you're, but you're also it's, doing, it's just a really big book. It's also a book that I think is planned to last for a long time. I mean, you probably grew up as I did with one classic horror anthology, Great Tales of Terror and the Supernatural by Phyllis Wise. Yes. Oh, no, 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 not that one. No, the one I grew up, I've only read that later. Much oh, later really? That. No, to me it was a Playboy book of te- horror and the Supernatural. Okay. Which wasn't huge, but I still, I have it. I still have the paperback, and when I found out that it was actually a hardcover, I bought the hardcover just to have it. That had Mr. Sardonicus. It had all these stories that were originally published in Playboy. Right. See, it was wet as wet can be. All these fabulous stories. Um, and that's one of the books that influenced me as a horror editor and horror reader. Um, but it wasn't that big. I was certainly, no, the wise, I only got those later. I only found out about those with David. Oh, really? Okay. I remember being on a panel and people were talking about the old classic things. And I never, I never had those. I never read them. Um, I never knew they existed. So I got them. Boy, were they moldy smelling. (laughs) A lot of them, you know, you get them used and it's like, ooh. (laughs) But you've got got an anthology coming out. Just right about now, isn't tomorrow, it? Tomorrow, tomorrow. Tomorrow, okay. Tell Final us about it. Final Cuts, my Hollywood, well, it's not Hollywood horror, it's my movie horror anthology. It's Hollywood horror and other spectacles. I wanted to make it very clear that it wasn't only Hollywood horror, even though that oh. was a catchphrase. I mean, I wanted horror from, um, there's horror on TV, horror videos, there's horror in Pakistan. Um, it's from other cultures as well as um, just Hollywood. So that was very important to me. And what's yeah. coming out later this year? Um, edited by, which you know about because you wrote the introduction. It was so. a lot of fun to write that introduction. Well, it's a great, it's a beautiful introduction. I thank you so much. It oh. made me very proud of myself. <laughs> well, you should be proud of yourself. And this is, we should mention uh, that this is only an anthology of your anthologies. It doesn't include. The Omni, it doesn't... Uh, no, no magazines. That would be too much. I mean, well, it would be too much to do in one anthology, but like, I'd love to see another one. I would do another anthology uh, anthology one, but I don't know if I would want to do a magazine. Oh, God, that would just be impossible. Well, but I mean, you, 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 look, you look at the number of writers whose careers you either introduced or promoted... Uh, George Martin is one? I mean... Uh, no, I did not. No. I you didn't. Do, you did. Oh, you you I didn't buy. Sand Kings. Ben Bova bought it before I got there. Way of Question Dragon and Sand Kings were both published before I got to Omni. I cannot. Okay, I not, so. and, all, and not to mention he was also writing before that. And I think he wrote a lot of stories for Analog. But oh no, yeah, he did. He's I been around for a while. But, okay. I published um, a few others. Um, another story by him, Under Siege, that never, no one really ever noticed for some reason. But those are the two novelettes I published by George. But Ted Chang, you can take some credit for. Yes, I can. I will take some, except Tom Dish sent them to me from Clarion. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, Ted had brought the story, I guess, to Clarion, and Tom said, you need to read this guy. And I said, okay. <laughs> and I bought his first story. 
Um, so do you get do you get a lot of recommendations from from writers like that? Wait, is that is that how you hope that you discover? More than the now, I mean, although even now I do get some recommendations from people. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, and in fact, I would be ha- I guess I need to encourage the um, the teacher, the, the writing teachers, to tell me about their great writers. I haven't yeah. been encouraging them, but that's partly because I don't have a venue. I don't have my own magazine. Well, that's true. I don't have the space, you know, say, oh, yeah, send me 100 stories. No, I can't do that. I have, I'm only one of like, 50, no, one of like eight editors who buy stories for tour.com. And, you know, I only, I don't have a set number of slots or anything. Right. But I can't, you know, I have to be aware that the there are other editors buying work. So, I don't encourage people to send me their stories very often. <laughs> I can understand that. Um, if I had, a, if I was editing a magazine and was doing it regularly, publishing short stories, I would definitely go after all the new writers and tell all my writer te- slash writer teachers, send me your great writers. You know, send me the people who you think are really promising. But yeah, so I mean, that is definitely a way to find out about new writers. It and is. also teaching Clarion. I've taught Clarion West about five or six times, so mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've made a lot of, I met a lot of people that way, a lot of writers who are now professional and doing really well. That's great. We're past our ten minutes, as I knew we would be, which is, uh, and we could go on for another yeah. couple of hours, I suppose. Well, I'm unfor- sure. unfortunately, we won't be able to see each other anytime soon, unless. No. I mean, now we're not even going to do world fantasy this year. I, I guess. know. Well, I'll be seeing people. We'll be seeing people virtually. I'm going to be. I'll be doing some panels. I'm sure. Um, I've met so many people with Zoom. I mean, friends and writers yeah. that it actually. I, I initially thought that doing a panel would be awful, but it, I watched the panels. Um, I think I watched one panel from Balticon, and it looked great. Yeah. And the only thing, I mean, how much do we interact with the audience initially anyway? We don't. We interact with each other. So. True. Uh, it looked pretty easy to do that. So I'm definitely going to participate in the Worldcon uh, New Zealand. It's the problem with New Zealand is I can't figure out the time. Yeah, you nobody know? knows like, exactly. <laughs> but I anyway. Mean, I want to make sure that they're awake and that I'm awake at the same time so I can do the panel. But yeah. Right, exactly. We're all hoping the same thing. Right. Oh, and well, the best will be coming out in September 2, number 12. Well, once again, we've been talking on this short Coot Street podcast with, uh, with Ellen Dadlow. Thank you so much, Ellen. You're very welcome.